In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Seated among him on the night before his death, in an upper room in the city of Jerusalem, were a group of twelve ordinary men. Some were fishermen, a tax collector, some were brothers. There was a traitor who would betray him, two whom he would call sons of thunder, who wanted to rain down fire from heaven upon an entire village for rejecting Jesus. And Jesus would have to turn and rebuke them. And I'm sure it wasn't the only times why they got the nickname. See, what made these men so ordinary, so like us in every way, it wasn't their successes or their fame or their fortunes, but it was their failures, their mistakes, their colossal setbacks. These 12 men, the disciples, the apostles of the Lord Jesus Christ, they were sinners, just like you in every way. Thomas, he's a bit of a doubter, a worrier. He doubts the Lord is real. He doesn't believe the Lord rose from the dead. But that's yet to come, although the Lord certainly knows that Thomas will fall that night, just as he knows Peter's most grievous denial will happen later that night after this meal. Before the rooster crows, Peter, you will deny me three times. James and John, who were seated there around that table, they were the calculating type, and not in a good way. They were schemers, coveters, always looking for a better position in the eyes of those who seemed to matter the most. Their mother asked Jesus, Grant us, grant my children to sit at your right hand and one at your left hand, which, which James and John, they add their petitions as well to him prompting an outcry that day from the rest of the disciples, who, like you, rant and rage, who so easily become filled with indignation at others, even those closest to them, their own family, and they tear each other apart. Judas, he's just a few minutes away from betraying the Lord, turning him over for the 30 pieces of silver, and yet another Jesus had to rebuke for always thinking about the things of man and not the things of God. Get behind me, Satan, he says to him. See, all of Jesus' disciples, they are far, far from perfect, which, is makes, which makes them so similar to you. Like you, they fail to understand Jesus at times. Like you, they have their fair share of making a mess of things. Like you, they do not deserve to be seated with him or in his saving presence. Yet, here Jesus is, spending his last night, his last meal, his last supper, with this ragtag group of misfits and 12 ordinary sinful men who are like you in every way. He had chosen them, such sinful and ordinary men, to carry such extraordinary gifts. And so on that night, in that upper room, in the city of Jerusalem, he gave to them his last testament, a new testament, sealed in his blood, the blood not of bulls and goats, but the blood of God, which would be shed for the sins of the whole world. For on the night that he was betrayed, Jesus took bread, and after giving thanks, he broke it and gave it to his disciples and said, Take, eat, this is my body given for you. Do this in remembrance of me. And in the same way, after supper, he took the cup, and when he had given thanks, he gave it to them, saying, Drink of it, all of you. This cup is the New Testament in my blood, 
shed for you for the forgiveness of sins. This do as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. Now every sin of mankind, it is gathered around that table that night. The sin of idolatry, pride, envy, anger, coveting, stealing, slander, hatred, fear, the sin of lust, worry, and doubt, lack of faith, unbelief, failures, addictions to the sinful flesh and desires of man, thorns in the flesh by Satan, these men carry them all to that meal. They are like you in every way. Peter makes promises to the Lord that he can't keep. So have you. Judas willingly trades the Lord for a handful of money, a brief stint of satisfaction. And so have you. Which sin is it that you carry to the table today? Which sin hangs around your neck? It's out of the heart that comes evil thoughts, murder, adultery, sexual immorality, theft, false witness, slander, pride, anger, discontentment. The Lord knows your sins. Just as he knows the sins of Peter and James and John, the sons of thunder, Judas, Matthew, and all the rest of them, it is your very ordinary sin, experienced by all mankind, that draws our Lord to offer such an extraordinary gift to you. The one thing necessary for life and salvation in his name. Forgiveness. Forgiveness for all of your sins. Take and drink. This is my blood for the forgiveness of sins. For his blood, God's blood, it has the power to atone, to forgive sins. For if the blood of goats and bulls and the sprinkling of defiled persons with the ashes of a heifer sanctify the purification of the flesh, how much more will the blood of Christ purify our conscience from dead works to serve the living God? St. Paul writes that the sexually immoral will not inherit the kingdom of God. Neither thieves nor the greedy nor drunkards, nor revilers, nor swindlers, and such were you. But you have been washed. You have been sanctified. You have been justified in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ and by the Spirit of our God. That is to say, that your sins have been forgiven by the grace of God through faith in the shedding of the blood of Jesus, God's perfect Lamb. And he invites you today to eat and to drink from the very mercy seat of God. This meal, of which we are soon to receive, it is no ordinary meal. It is an extraordinary gift from God. Heavenly bread, life-sustaining, soul-nourishing, sin-forgiving food, it is Christ. It is just as he has promised us. It is his body, and it is his blood, which atones for the sins of the world. The one who grants access to the kingdom of heaven by God's loving kindness, he invites you to come and to eat, to come and to drink of his true body and his true blood for the real forgiveness of your sins. Come to me, all who are weary 
and heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take and eat. Take and drink. This is my body. This is my blood. Shed for you for the forgiveness of sins. Luther once said, everything depends on these words. Every Christian should and must know them and hold them fast. He must never let anyone take them away from him by any other kind of teaching, even if it were an angel from heaven who said to you that this meal, it's, it's just a symbol. It's just something that you're to do to show God that you love him. And thus, they twist God's gospel promises into law. And they twist it into your works and what you're doing for God. No, may it never be. This is God's work to us, his gift to you of his dear son's body and blood. They are God's gift, God's promises, God's gospel to you that your sins are indeed forgiven. This is his work, not yours. Luther goes on to say, that these, these words of Jesus, they are words of life and of salvation. Whoever believes in them has all their sins forgiven through that faith. And he is a child of life and has overcome death and hell. Language cannot express how great and mighty these words are. For they are the sum and the substance of the whole gospel. Or St. Paul puts it this way. As often as you eat this bread and drink this cup, you proclaim Christ crucified, the Lord's death, until he comes. Come, Lord Jesus. Come quickly, Lord, and forgive us Renew us and lead us. For we are not worthy sinners that we are for you to even come under our roof. But only say the word and we shall be healed, forgiven. Amen. Now may the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus our Lord. Amen.